0: Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. This is another special Wednesday morning episode brought to you by our sponsor, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness, who we featured on episode 145. Now, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know that Jeremy has helped me get in the best shape of my life in 2022. And if you're planning on working on your health and fitness goals in 2023, I encourage you to put Jeremy in your corner to help you as well. There are links in the show notes to find all of his services. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just wanted to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, JohnSRunny.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstander series, and you'll get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're going to step up your leadership game in 2023. Also, as a reminder, Deep Leadership is ranked in the top 2% most popular shows out of 3 million podcasts globally and is now ranked in the top 100 management shows in the U.S. thanks to your support. I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in every week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking to a guest who had a remarkable leadership experience. His name is Jim Rafferty, and a terrible tragedy occurred in his community, which led him to assume the leadership of a Boy Scout troop, something he had never done before. He became a leader by accident, and the lessons he learned were powerful. I'm so glad I got a chance to talk to Jim about his experience, and I know this conversation will impact your leadership journey as well. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jim Rafferty. Jim is a marketing and communication consultant and principal of JM Marketing. He is a former radio announcer and program director. Jim helps business leaders communicate better, writing in a conversational, entertaining style. He's also a former Boy Scout leader, which serves as the catalyst for his book, Leader by Accident. In this book, Jim tells the story of how an unexpected volunteer leadership role fueled an even more unexpected journey into an entrepreneurship. I am excited to have him on the show to learn from his unique experiences. So, Jim, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks, John. Excited to be here. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's uh, your story is really interesting. And I'm really glad that we have you on the show to hear from from you and also hear the lessons that you learned, how you applied them as an entrepreneur as well. And uh, like, there's so many great leadership lessons in this book. So I want to just kind of have this conversation, try to uncover those things and help our listeners kind of take that next level in their leadership journey. So, uh, but before we get into too much, let's talk about what happened. Um, Tell us what happened that thrust you into this unexpected leadership role. It is just the most crazy story and it's almost hard to believe when I was reading through it that, that this could happen so close to home. So tell us a little bit about what happened and, and how you ended up in the leadership role.
1: Yeah, the, the really difficult part here is at the beginning of you know both our discussion and, and at the book, um, where yeah. a, a local attorney here in the, the Baltimore area and his wife and two younger sons were all shot to death by their oldest son, who was then 15 years old. And I come into that story because John, the father, was the scoutmaster of the Boy Scout troop that our son, Matt, belonged to at the time. And a couple of days after that, I was the new scoutmaster of the troop, which, for reasons we'll get into, was something of a surprise and, and <laughs> extremely unexpected in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, so the, the story begins really with sort of being thrown into a, a leadership position at a really, really difficult time, you know, for an organization that, you know, we we didn't know whether it would survive or not. You know, we had about 25 young men in the troop that time. At that time, all of a sudden, reduced by about three. And, you know, at this critical moment, they turned to a guy, me, who had been a Boy Scout for all of about two weeks as a kid. I really didn't like it. Uh, I had no position in the troop. I didn't, didn't really want a position in the troop, if I'm being honest. And, um, didn't have any kind of you know outdoor skills that you would want to scout master in terms of being a camper or an avid hiker or anything like that, and so it, it was kind of odd to me. And I, I tell the story in the book about sitting in the room where this decision was being made, and finally looking around the room at the committee, the the troop committee, and saying, "Folks, there are eleven people or twelve people in this room, and eleven of them have more scouting experience than I do. So I'm not sure why you're asking me, but." If this is what you think is best for the troop right now, then okay, I'll I'll give it a try. And you know, that was among the most life-changing decisions I've ever made, really. The the next five years that I served as scoutmaster were just an unbroken string of challenges and lessons and and learning. And well, a little further on in the discussion, we'll we'll talk about, you know, sort of some of the real life repercussions that had for me, if you will.
0: So I'm trying to get this, you know, I'm trying to put the picture together. So you have basically the scoutmaster is, is, is murdered and and including the two of the boys that were in the troop by one of the other boys. And so three, three, all three were in
1: the troop. Yeah. All three were in the troop.
0: And it's not a boy scout troop with 200 members. This is 20 something. It's a small community of, of, I would say, is it all young men or is it young men and women in this troop?
1: At that time it was all young men. and, And I always make it a point to say this when I, when I tell this story to a group too, that John and Tammy, the, the parents were everywhere in our community, not just scouts, but, you know, coaching youth sports and swim team and this, uh, everywhere you went, they were PTA, they were doing good things. So, you know, our little slice of the story, even as a scout troop in in the grand scope of what happened, you know, was really a pretty small part of it, but it, it certainly changed things for me in a, in a big way.
0: What what went through your head when you said yes? Because as you said, you 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 not had a lot of experience uh, in scouting. You didn't have a lot of outdoor skills. Um, you probably have never yet led a group of young men or deal with a tragedy of, of this type because nobody does that, right? Right, right. There's, yeah. There's nobody that has that kind of experience. Very few people in the world have that kind of experience. So I was just curious, what what went through your head to say, yes, I want to do this? Yes, I want to step up. Yes, I want to lead.
1: I had a little warning that I was going to be asked, and not a lot, but like a day. It sort of gradually became clear over maybe 48 hours that I was going to be asked. So it, it wasn't a complete surprise, and I had a little time to think and reflect. And among those reflections, I flashed back to a conversation my son and I had had just randomly about six months before that at a scout Camping trip, we were together. And he had just turned to me and said, You know, you're one of their favorite leaders, meaning the other boys in the troop. And I thought nothing of it at the time. I thought, well, that's nice, but I didn't want the word leader and me and Troop 328 used in the same sentence. I really, you know, I have a job and I have other things to do and 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 all of that. And you know, when when the tragedy occurred and I had this little bit of time to reflect on it, that conversation came back to me. And in the end, I think I thought, you know, maybe what the young men of the troop need right now is someone they like, you know, and someone they trust and someone they feel like they could talk to because we had a lot of healing to do. And, you know, that maybe in that moment, that was more important than they're having a leader who knew three ways to start a fire without master- matches or, you know, whatever it might be. And you know, I would also add that three other people who were much more qualified than I was stepped up at that moment and said, "Look, we don't have the the bandwidth. I, you know, we're too busy. Whatever, we can't do the scoutmaster thing. But we will be your assistant scoutmasters." Nice. And you know, it's easy to make promises like that in the heat of a moment like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be very understandable if they had failed to deliver. And instead, the opposite happened, and and they all stepped up and really. We're able to kind of handle the nuts and bolts of the program while I got my feet under me um, over the first, you know, really year plus probably. And But but we were a team for several years and, uh, you know, it worked out really well.
0: So, you know, one of the things that I think of, and we we have a lot of leaders that are listening in, young leaders, uh, new leaders. Um, and one of the things that leaders t- sometimes get themselves into is they end up becoming in charge of of people that know more about something than, than they do. And here you have an example where you don't really, you're not a outdoor expert. You're not a scout expert. How do you take on a leadership role where you are not the smartest, uh, most experienced person uh, in the room? Sure. You're an adult. You've had life lessons that you certainly can pass on to these, to this group, but uh, was it intimidating not knowing that? I mean, you obviously had assistants helping you, but was it a bit intimidating and how did you overcome some of that?
1: It was and, and my two pieces of advice in that situation for anybody in a situation like that, you know, not whether there's a tragedy involved or not, but stepping into a, a leadership role is there are really two sides of the same coin. One, one is don't be afraid to ask for help. So, you know, I, I wasn't shy about, you know, a lot of times in business settings, we're very protective of our turf, right? And we don't like to admit our weaknesses and bring in people who are good at those things. And that's the wrong approach right we we need to admit and and you know we need to ask for help and the flip side of that the other side of that coin is don't be afraid to admit that you don't know what you don't know when i became scoutmaster really about the very first thing i did was send an all hands email to all the the families in the troop and i said look this decision has been made i have very little experience at this this is a difficult time for the troop and we need your help Right. So not just those three guys who stepped up to be assistant scoutmasters, but a lot of people just because of that ask stepped up and took on more responsibilities and volunteered for new things they hadn't done before. And a year later, we were able to do like two separate activities on the same weekend because we had this this whole group of people, adults who who were chipping in to help. And, you know, that was a really valuable leadership lesson there, too, is just don't don't be afraid to ask.
0: Yeah, those are two great tips for anyone listening in uh, uh, that that you should, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help and, in, and admit when you don't know something. I think those are uh, humility is a is a key leadership trait that uh, uh, some people find out the hard way when they try to put too much ego into it and when they don't actually have the, the experience to back it up. So being readily willing to admit you need help is, is a it's a good it's a good characteristic to have as a leader for sure.
1: It is. And I think in part, it comes with age and experience too, because I flash back when I was 28 years old, my wife and I, we got married that year and we moved to Baltimore so I could be program director for a radio station. So, here I was managing a staff of, I don't know, full and part-time, probably 10 people. And I think every single one of them was older than I was, maybe all but one. And some were a couple of decades older. And I was so sort of bent on being the boss and appearing to know everything and all that you know it didn't go very well you know and I wish I'd known then what I what I do now to to not be able not be afraid to admit your weaknesses and your shortcomings and to to be more collaborative and you know that, that's so important now in, in leadership
0: absolutely so what I was going to ask you is I mean obviously it's a unique situation the 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 kids are going through something that no young Person should have to go through the yes. the death of their friends, their their beloved scoutmaster, right? Um, but I often see sometimes that we and lead as leaders take on jobs sometimes when there's been a big organizational shift. There's been an acquisition. There's been uh, a change of command, right? And and a beloved leader leaves, and you end up stepping into a role of a previous manager. And there and with 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 change, it's always difficult. So what I was curious is how did you lead? These young men, uh, emotionally, and 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 how do you you know trying to deal with the, the 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 feelings they had and the and I mean talk talk us through a little bit about just the emotional side of leadership in in a role like this. I
1: I think the most important thing we did as a group was we did not hide from what had happened or try to sweep about it sweep it under the rug. We we talked about it regularly. Uh, often at the end of a meeting where we do our announcements and things like that, if there'd been a new development as the case wound its way through the courts or, you know, whatever had, had happened in the news, we would sit and we would talk it out as a group. And the the boys were there for each other through that difficult time. And they knew that, you know, if they did have a moment that somebody was there to talk to, whether it was another scout, whether it was an adult or or whatever. And I think, you know, you you can't compare corporate change to, a you know, a horrific human tragedy like that, but there are parallels. And I think part of it is, you know, don't pretend it didn't happen. Right. Mm. You know, you may be in a position where you have to say, look, I know you love you, whoever it was who just got shown the door and I'm not him or her, Mm. but you know, here's who I am. And here's what I expect of you. And let's see if we can make this work moving forward.
0: Mm. The, um, as you when did you start feeling comfortable that you were in this leadership role, and you were you felt like, okay, I'm I'm the leader now. This you know I, I'm feeling a little comfortable. Was it, what, what was that transition like as you sort of stepped up and you had all these you know forty eyes looking at you for <laughs> yeah, guys yes. so. What was when did you start feeling comfortable about it?
1: I think I started to feel comfortable with the scouting part with the the part I was weak on, maybe after you know probably took a good year really of you know just working through and really understanding how things worked behind the scenes and and the skills required and learning some of those skills myself at you know at adult leader training and things like that. Um, I think one of the, the good things about that was it gave me a little extra measure of empathy as a leader where, you know, when we went on a trip, a lot of times, you know, and you step into that wobbly canoe and you don't know what's downstream, well, that a lot of times that was the first time for me as well as for the scouts. So, I, I mean, we had plenty <laughs> of experienced help on hand, so everybody was safe, but, you know, that sort of gives you a a, a little more empathy for what your troops are going through at that point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because you're you're experiencing the first time is the same time they are.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, true.
0: Um, you know, I, so part of it, you know, and the, the other thing, uh, part of this book, and I want to get to is that um, you, you know, some at some point you found yourself out of work, right? And um, so you had a big life change that occurred in your your occupation, uh, and I, you know, I was wondering what that experience was like for you. Um, uh, and you know, what did you, how did that experience with the scout troops sort of help your thinking in that? And why did you ultimately choose to become an entrepreneur at that point?
1: Oh, that's a well-packed question. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So about four years into my five-year tenure as a scout master, I guess I, I lost the job that I'd had for a little over two decades. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a, Fairly sizable remodeling company here in Baltimore. And the ownership had changed about a year before and it it did not go well. It was an extremely difficult year for me. And then finally, you know, that was that and I was gone. And so I started to look for another job because that was all I ever knew how to do was, you know, assume that somebody else was going to hand me a paycheck and take care of my benefits and, and all of that. And the, the flaw in that strategy was that there was not a whole lot of demand for a 51-year-old self-taught marketer at that point. And um, I, I like to say, you know, I sent a bunch of resumes all over the place, and then I buried a handful more in the backyard and got pretty much the same result. And, you know, so our son is now a year, our, our son, the Boy Scout, is now a year away from going to college. And we didn't know where it would be, but, you know, we had that on the horizon, his sister three years behind him. Uh, And my wife had always worked a couple of part-time jobs, but I was the main breadwinner and provider of health care. And that was a very, very difficult summer here in the Rafferty household. And then a couple of people came to me, one from scouts, one from a former job who had started his own thing, uh, one from a family out of town and said, you know, could you take a look at my website or could you stop in and talk about my marketing or could you look at this proposal I have from somebody, you know? And I thought, well, maybe there's a path here, you know? And I know this, though, like I, the the pre-scouting gym would have taken on that work as the side hustle. And I would have kept looking for the job and the safety net and the regular paycheck until I found one, whether it was something I wanted to do or not, you know, just because that's how I was wired. But the gym who had had all these physical adventures and things like, you know, down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon for, for four nights and then back out, you know, the, some of the, the high adventure scouting trips we did and things like that. You know, I said, you know what? There's a path here. Let's do it. And I hung out my shingle as a consultant and told the state of Maryland, to stop sending the unemployment checks. And that was 10, not quite 10 and a half years ago. And I have never been happier. I was just, just listening to one of your other episodes with, I wrote it down, Julie Noonan talking about mm-hmm. obsolescence. And she talks yeah. about getting into consulting and how much she loved it because of the, the, the freedom you have. And And Everything about it. I mean, however you want to measure success, whether it's you know money or loving your work or schedule flexibility or you know whatever, it really checks all the boxes. And for me, every client is different, every need is different. There's no, you know, every day is different, and I, I just love that in my work. But the the important thing here is that that revelation, that connection between the the scouting experience being thrust into that leadership role. And stepping into consulting, stepping off the ledge into entrepreneurship, that took a while for me to connect those dots in my in my head. You know, it wasn't like in September of 2012 I said, "Hey, I hiked the Grand Canyon, therefore I'm going to go." You know, launch a business. It comes later, you know. And and I always talk about this. And when I speak to a group about getting out of your comfort zone, I say the the one part we miss when we do that, when we do the thing that scares us, when we when we challenge ourselves, the part we miss. Is to take time and reflect on it and look back and think about, well, what happened? What went right? Why did I do that? What went wrong? What would I do differently next time? You know, and that's so important because if I hadn't done that, I never would have really connected those dots. There would be no book for one, and we know which is okay. But um, you know, it's it really the way the scouting part connected directly to having the guts to to step off the ledge and become an entrepreneur. That's really that's the full story of Leader by Accident. You know, it starts with the tragedy, but it's not about the tragedy at all. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area they are lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Now, don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to help take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. So if you want to step up your game... Reach out to Jeremy at jeremyclevengerfitness.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Fraternity of Excellence. The Fraternity of Excellence is an online and real-world community for men who are looking to improve in all areas of their lives. The men of FOE are working together to become better husbands, fathers, and leaders at work and in their communities. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer an emotional intelligence coach
1: and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed.
0: Join us every week here on ElectricCast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. ElectricCast. Yeah, it's the journey. And I, and I love how you say that, that, um, you know, once we, you know, once we depart the comfort zone, there's just an experience that we get that's. Um, you know, it's it's different. I mean, I I was a corporate guy, sim, similar similar. Uh, well, you weren't corporate, but you're a big company. But uh, mm-hmm. as a corporate guy, that uh, you know that uh, I would have been comfort comfortable just staying in corporate jobs. But I, it seemed to me that the corporations had changed. They kept changing. They kept getting where was was not any fun anymore. And uh, but a lot of guys just stay in it because it's comfortable, you know. And I took the yep. leap seven years ago, started my own business. And Good for you. And it, it it's scary, right? Because, you know, it's all you, right? You know, you there is no um safety net, you know, as much as you can be frustrated with corporate life or or working for or for somebody else, there's a steady paycheck there, you know, and there's, you know, uh maybe it's not fulfilling, but at least it pays the bills, right? And so when you yeah. go off and hang out your own shingle like that, there's a lot of fear, but it's almost the fear of stepping in a canoe with a bunch of, you know, uh you know, 15 year olds and, in in you know what I mean? There's, there's that, and you've overcome that. You've had a high wa- watermark. You've done something difficult. That means you can do other things that are difficult.
1: It Yes. Yeah. And that's exactly right. One, one challenge, you know, overcoming one challenge gives you the courage to try the next one, I think. And it doesn't mean you'll succeed a hundred percent of the time, but none of us do, you know, and that's okay. Um, you know, and as far I, I spend very little time, really no time in the corporate world, except if you want to count like being a radio announcer for, you know. Yep, the big you know mega radio corporation right. it you know from from the outside that what i see over the last 30 years and this is going a little bit down a rabbit hole maybe but um you know it seems to me that corporations a, a lot of corporations have started managing to their shareholders instead of their stakeholders you know instead of their employees and their their customers and you know i see it a lot as a marketing consultant i see it with you know google and and facebook and places like that where you know if you're a small business it's no longer optional you know to be associated with google that google business listing is very important to your business right but when something goes wrong with it try contacting a human being you know, they 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 really have not accepted the, the responsibility of creating this ecosystem that requires us to participate. You know, that, that should be a, a two-sided equation, and it's not. And, and more or less the same story with, with Facebook, with dealing with them with the the advertising side of Facebook, which I know most people don't touch. But it, it, it's very frustrating to, to me to see, because I think everybody could make plenty of money and still do a much better job of keeping their customers and employees happy.
0: Mm, I agree with that.
1: That's my that's my sidebar rant. Sorry, It has <laughs> nothing to do with anything we were going to talk about.
0: <laughs> you, you touched on something that that made me think. You know, you said in your role when you were working as in the in the project management with uh, the projects business that you led a certain way, but you learned a new way to lead when you were leading the the the, the scout troop. And I was wondering, like, what what are some of those things that you learned? Um, when you were in that kind of role and you were dealing with these these personal relationships with these, um, well, I would imagine eventually there was girls that came into the troop, but these, you know, these boys and girls, what, what sort of, um, what sort of things did you learn that, that you wish you had done differently as a leader?
1: Yeah, I I think well what we already talked about right the yeah. being honest about what you don't know help from others you know being sort of less territorial about your your power you know I think that's number one and I, I think we largely got that right with the scout troop from the beginning um, because we would see that play over and over again because in, you know then within that we're teaching leadership to these young men mm-hmm. and the thing we would see over and over again is exactly that right somebody gets promoted to patrol leader or something and they go oh now I get to boss these six other Little peons around and they have to do what I say. And, you know, they sort of cheerfully ignore whoever it is and and he comes back to us in tears and he gets his first leadership lesson because that's not how it works, you know. So I, I think really that is the most important part of it. And I think we're seeing that a lot in today's world. So, you know, leader by accident was done and written and ready to go to the publisher before the pandemic hit. Mm and i sort of sat on it for a while just think because none of us knew what the world was going to look like after that and and then decided to proceed with it just as it was and it's resonated in such unexpected ways because then here was the pandemic followed by the great resignation right yeah. and yeah. and you know so there were lots of reasons for the great resignation right people found out they could make a living on their Etsy shop, or you know, just yeah, you know, yeah. decided life was too short and they were going to pursue their passion. But you know, I've always said that people join companies and they quit bosses, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people quit their bosses oh, during yeah. the Great Resignation. You know, and there was such—I think the pandemic really shown a spotlight on the need for something we did really well in the Scout Troop, and that is empathetic leadership. Right? We had to take into account what these young men were going through at the time of the tragedy. I mean, we we could not have ignored it, right? So you as a leader, all of a sudden, you're in the office on a Friday in March of 2020, and then Monday, you can't come back in, and now you're trying to manage your team via Zoom and you can't get their nonverbal cues that you would get in the office you can't do the small talk that would happen if you bumped into somebody in the hall you know you're losing all these tools you have as a leader and meanwhile they're also trying to homeschool their kids or take care of an aging parent who they can't visit or you know all they've got all this other pressure in their lives and it called for new measures of empathy I think and not everybody you know made the cut And I think that that is at least part of what was behind the Great Resignation.
0: Yeah, no, for sure that happened. And we saw a lot uh, of of that. Still, we see even today the quiet quitting movement that we see here. A lot of it is through a lack of empathetic leaders, people who want to like, okay, pandemic's over, get back to work. You know, Mm -hmm. wait a second. I've had a little bit of freedom. Right. I've been able to. Uh, take my kids to school. I've been able to, um, you know, uh, start a little bit later that fit with my personal schedule. Now you're telling me I got to be back in the office. I've got to follow all the rigid rules we had prior to it. I don't feel like I want to do that anymore. And and I think you're right. There's a <clears throat> there's an important element of leadership is which is which is empathy and understanding where people are at. And certainly you got it in spades. You know, having to be empathetic towards these young boys who dealt with this. This major event you had to that was a big part of your job in in that uh, respect, which is being empathetic towards their feelings as they were going through trying to process what happened. But I think we don't take into account many times as leaders how important that is for just day to day leadership is being empathetic to the to the people around you.
1: It is. And I was sort of smiling, as you said, all that, because uh, it's very recent here. Our, our son, the Eagle Scout, is now 27 and he lives in Nashville. And he has his shorts and a little bit of a twist right now because his employer wants him in the office two days a week now and wow. not one. And I'm like, well, Matt, you're managing three people. Now you should be there. And he's, no, I can do it over Zoom. I'm like, well, you know, you'll learn. I think you'll learn, you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. that. that that kind of resonates right now because I just had that discussion with him.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think there's some generational issues too. I mean, you know, like I'm I'm 55, and you know, my my dad worked, you know, his whole life and got the gold watch and retired. You I know, mean, I had one job, you know, and 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 I expected that would be my life too. Go work for one company and then you know, put in all those years and retire. Um, uh, like you, I went on, on my own and found this life as an entrepreneur, and I really enjoy it. And I think, the, I think the younger people are actually doing more of this. Like you said, you know, the gig economy, they're doing an Etsy shop, they're kind of making money on their own and they're right. enjoying some personal freedom. And um, yeah, and if, so sometimes our generation, we can't, it's hard for us to deal with that. Like you should be in the office 40 hours a week. That's <laughs> exactly right, you know? exactly so We've right. yes. struggled with yeah. that. And we, we've had guests on the show talking about the generational differences between uh, what how how work is conducted. But it's, again, it's, it's it's like you said, being empathetic towards everyone that's working for you and what their what their struggles are and what they've been going through. And and uh, when we do that, we're a better leader. I I like to say that leadership is a people business. Right. And, and it's oh, all yeah. about people. And yeah. uh, everything that you were doing as a Scoutmaster was was about people. You know, yes, you know, yes. There, and, and there was there was a mission. We got to get to the bottom of the canyon and get everybody up to the top alive. Mm-hmm. That's the mission, but right. it was the people that was the most important part of that.
1: Right. And and the, the hard part to remember sometimes is that it's about people who aren't you,
0: right? Yes, yes.
1: Right? You know, it's about other people. It's other uh, and, people
0: who yeah. think differently and act differently, respond differently and um, have different, like I say, quirks and hangups and frustrations and,
1: <laughs> and yeah, those things. And,
0: but that's what makes humans so beautiful is that they have all these things uh, behind them.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what,
0: you know, what did you, I would say this just, you know, through your experience in um, leading the Scout Troop, sort of, like I said, the accidental journey uh, through your entrepreneurship, what, what have you learned through that journey that you wish more business leaders uh, understood?
1: Well, what we were just talking about, I think, yeah. you, you know, sort of the empathetic leadership thing. And then the, the the other thing I get asked a lot is the advice, and you probably have too, the advice for the new entrepreneur, mm. right? And it's really the same advice. It's, it's don't go it alone. We all want to think we're the expert and all that. I mean, I sat down and I would say, I would back up from there. I'd say, first of all, whether you're contemplating being an entrepreneur or not at this moment, do whatever you can to build your network. Right. You know, make business friends, go to networking things and people, a certain subset of people get really antsy about going to networking events. Oh, I'm not good at small talk. Neither am I, but you know, you'll get better at it. Um, but that's the one thing I wish I had done was build my network more when I still had the job because it would have made life much easier when I did become an entrepreneur. But you know, when, when I made that decision, I reached out to basically everybody I knew and just said, listen, can we have a cup of coffee? here's what I, and you know we would and i would sit down and say look here's what i'm thinking of doing and what do you think and any advice and all that and people are so giving i mean i sat down with people i was going to compete with you know in one way or another and one of them gave me copies of the agreements he uses with clients and said you know here just customize these and use them yourself you know uh just in, incredibly generous stuff and the then the other thing that happens is maybe half the time one of those people will say you know who you need to talk to and they make another introduction for you and the network grows and the web grows. And before you know it, you know, you, you have this network to draw on and it kind of happens organically. I've been very, very lucky that I really haven't had to go knock on doors for business. You know, it's come to me from, from knowing people and from going to Um, you know, talk about don't go it alone, right? Going to monthly peer group meetings, business peer group meetings that I participate in. And now I facilitate one every month. Those are terrific. And I think indispensable, especially for a a solo entrepreneur. So it's sort of that whole thing. But, you know, I don't, I think there's very few spaces where you can go be a solo entrepreneur with, you know, blinkers on and just, you know, shutting out the outside world. You, You really do need other people to help you.
0: Uh, that's such good advice, such and good they advice. will. Yeah, yeah. I I know for for me, I was a in corporate. I was a big fish in a small pond, but nobody knew me outside of the big company, and um and I didn't keep my connections fresh, you know. Yep. And and when I when I left corporate and I started my own company, it was some of that like oh shoot, you know I I didn't keep that my connections fresh. And, and now suddenly I was reaching out to people like, Hey, I started a company, you know? And, and, and so I would say, you know, encourage people who are listening in and maybe you're, you're not an entrepreneur. Maybe you're working in a big company or, you know, you're a manager of, of a, of a local retail outlet, but, you know, keep your connections fresh, maintain your network because you never know when you might need that network if you start going out on your own. But, uh, but yeah, maintain that network is really important. And I would say the other thing is, Uh, For me, at least I didn't have a personal brand. Nobody knew who I was outside of my big company. And so had, had I built a personal brand, something that people could knew that knew who I was and what I stood for, it had been easier once I became an entrepreneur, like, Oh, you're the you're the, you're the guy that knows websites or you're the guy that knows leadership or, you know, you know, so I had no personal brand. So I was, you know, I was basically zero when I started as an entrepreneur. And so I think those are really, that's really good advice as far as keeping your network fresh. Don't go it alone, find those resources. And, and if you do it right, you're, you're not going to be hurting for business. You're going to have your connections bringing you things.
1: Yes, and and the other thing that really helps, I think, and and again, I learned this a little later, but even even from square one, uh, look for opportunities to give. I mean, other people will help you with advice and they'll make connections for you, but also be thinking about, you know, ask them, who's who's your ideal customer? What can I do to help you? Who do I know that I can make an introduction to? The more you can do that, and that will get you through a lot of networking events too, because I know people fear and dislike those things. And, and I'm, I'm that way a little bit myself, as I said. But, you know, if you go into those, instead of going, oh my gosh, I need to get two new leads tonight, or, you know, this is a failure. If you go in and say, I want to... Just get to know two people better tonight yeah. and see if maybe one of them I can connect to somebody I know and do them some good. Then the whole ballgame changes. The pressures, it's not about you anymore. And it comes back to you over and over and over yeah. again.
0: How can I help two people tonight?
1: Right, exactly. You know?
0: and, mm-hmm. and if you help two people, likely they're they're going to help you in the future. This reciprocity, we feel that as humans. Like, well, you did something for me, I've got to do something for you, you know? And uh, that's, and that's, yeah, that's a great, great piece of advice. Wow, Jim, this this has been great. There's so many nuggets of wisdom in here. Uh, This is such an important book. It's called Leader by Accident. Um, How can people find out more about you, uh, your company in this book?
1: Uh, They can go to leaderbyaccident.com. And the book is available, I mean, you can buy it there, but you can buy it from Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any of the usual places in print or for your Kindle or Nook or audiobook read by the author, because he used to be a radio announcer. Yeah, that's how I spent my entire winter last year was recording the audiobook. So uh, I, and please.
0: I, you know what? I'm I'm an envious of you. I've I've not done that on my books. I hired yeah. I had her. I hired somebody with your voice. Yeah, that was smart.
1: <laughs> it takes it, a I long time. It's,
0: it's a yeah. long time, and the, yeah. Uh, yeah. so I, I commend you for doing it. I think authors should read their books. I, I just didn't do it myself.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, lead, leaderbyaccident.com
0: leaderbyaccident.com. We're going to go ahead and put links in the, uh, in the show notes for those resources. Uh, but I really do encourage leaders, uh, pick this book up, learn the lessons. Uh, you know, I always think the best way we can learn to be a great leader is to learn the lessons from others and, and hear their journey, hear their stories. This is full of stories. You're a great storyteller. And no, I really you. encourage people to pick this up called Leader by Accident. Jim, thank you for coming on the show and sharing these experiences with us.
1: What a fun conversation. Thank you, John. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to The nature Back Podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to The nature Back Podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed electric acid.